0: One of the top experts in early football rules history, Timothy P. Brown, joins us once again this Tuesday to research the evolution of the football field press box, as well as other communications on the sidelines. We see this happening every game we go to, but knowing the history of it, well, it's just something special. Tim joins us in just a moment to tell us all about it.
1: This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis.
0: Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition where we get to visit with Timothy P. Brown of footballarchaeology.com, talking about one of his recent tidbits. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren, good to see you again and hear your
1: uh, sultry voice.
0: Sultry so oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs>
0: Hey, you talk to me like but, that, fella. You're gonna have to buy me a drink. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah,
1: unfortunately, we've never been in the same room uh, uh, with with one another, and so, um, you know, someday you're uh, someday that will happen, and yeah, I will, I will buy you a drink.
0: Most definitely, I'll buy you one back too. So we, we might uh, not be seeing each other for very long. <laughs> It'd be blurry. But, uh, We'll have some fun, that's for sure. But we will communicate. And yes. that's sort of the topic of uh, tonight's episode, where you wrote a tidbit uh, not too long ago about uh, press boxes and some communication with the sideline and uh, from yesteryear. And this is very interesting stuff and some great football history that we can't wait to hear.
1: Yeah, so this one, um, you know, well, as you said, it's about press boxes and you know, kind of the, the physical structure of of the press boxes, and then, you know, how did people on the sideline communicate with press boxes, either the coaches that were ultimately made their way up there or the uh, the folks in the press. And so you know the um, not to shamelessly plug my book, Hut, Hut hike, but you know that that book is about the origins of football terminology, you know, when they first, showed up in the popular press and, um, and kind of kind of why they came about. And so the, you know, virtually every stadium in the world has box seats, right? And those were box seats and press boxes. Those were terms that originally were, came from the theater world where, you know, people paid premium prices to be closer to the stage. And then in the case of the press, you know, they wanted uh whoever were the movie critics of the day but instead were doing you know live shows uh they would come and and watch the show and so they'd get a favorable spot uh to do so and so then that carried over to uh to the football world and and the baseball world so you know when stadiums ended up needing to find a, a place to put these the members of the press um and you know, early on, you know, most of these stadiums were pretty informal, you know, slapped together, you know, wooden bleachers and yada yada. So you know, the the press boxes were pretty much of this, you know similar ilk. So you know, there's images, you know, so you know, those who were listening, you know, if you get a chance, get out there and you know, take a look at the some of the images on the from the article, but the. You know, some of them were as simple as just a table along the sidelines where these guys sat and uh, you know watched the game and made you know took their notes.
0: Yeah, that um, that that image that you have on there of that almost reminds me of almost like a basketball game. How you know you're yeah. right side side court or sideline and you know field view and uh, you know guys sitting there writing stats down and newspaper articles. So that's kind of a cool picture.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, the, you know, there were other tables along a sideline like that, that oftentimes had like the official timer, you know, so depending on the stadium, they could sometimes offload the, some of the timing from the, you know, the headlinesman to, um, you know, to somebody on the sideline. But in any event, so then they started kind of, um, or like, you know, in the same periods, they started putting these press boxes up at the top of the stands. But, like, you know, they're they're not like the fancy air-conditioned and heated press boxes of of today with all kinds of Internet connections. I mean, a lot of them were, you know, basically open air. You know, they, they, they might have had a roof. Some of the images that are in there show a press box with a roof and others without. But a lot of them were open air. Um, some are basically just like, you know, just look like, you know, they're up on scaffolding. You know, um, so they were pretty primitive affairs. And. Um, depending on how big the game was and, you know, what the local press corps was like, you know, it could be a half a dozen guys or it could be, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40. Um, and then, you know, once, the, once you get into the concrete stadiums, you know, starting in the, especially in the 20s, you know, then you start getting a little bit more formality around the press box. But the other challenge all along, so no matter what the um, – you know, no matter what the the era, one of the challenges, not just for the press, but for fans in general, was just trying to figure out what the heck is going on down on the field. And so what they would do is, um, for a long time, there were guys who used like semaphore flags or, you know, just different kinds of signals. They'd communicate one way or the other to the people in the press box, like to one guy in the press box. And say, hey, here's you know, number twenty two ran the ball, or this was a touchdown, or this was a touchback, or a safety, because those were very difficult to differentiate back in the day. Um, and so, and you know, this is the days without often no player numbers um, and no referee signals. And and actually, a lot of the reason for the referee signals was to you know when that originated was to communicate to the press. Um, so anyways, you know, but, you know, people also were smart enough to figure, hey, we had these things called telephones. And Penn had at least some form of tele- commun- telephone communication with the press box back in the 1890s. Wow. But a lot of them, you know, didn't didn't have that. I think there was much more of a 20s and 30s era when, when that really started happening. Um, so there's images there, too, of, in the article of, you know coaches and typically it's just one coach on the sideline who's got a phone or a headset and he's talking to somebody who's observing things up you know up high um you know and that's back when you didn't have an offensive and defensive coordinator yet you had a head coach and maybe a defensive coach but you know the guys who were playing offense were playing defense too so you know you didn't need the specialization so one guy talking to the the spotter up high you know was enough um so anyway, it's just kind of interesting stuff. And you can kind of see the progression, the technology, you know, gets better and better. And, um, you know, and now it's like, you know, everybody's got their headsets. They don't even need the cords and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, things are, things are different than they used yeah. to be.
0: Well, I mean, some, some of it uh, is now, like you said, it's tr- sort of stayed as tradition. I know as a, an official, we were, you know, that's who we are signaling to. We are to face the press box and signal the press box for, you know, now it's basically the official scorekeepers and PA announcer, Mm -hmm. not so much the the press, but signaling to that. And then the the home crowd is usually on that side and they get to see the signals. And of course the visitors, they, they get upset. Maybe they can't see them as clear, but you know, that's how you do it traditionally. And, you know, as far as the evolution of the press box, I think I've, I've told the audience this before and I apologize if I have, but a couple of years ago, I got to go to Tom Benson stadium outside the pro football hall of fame during the enshrinements, And I was part of the, the media. I got to sit up in a press box and I, I was, I couldn't believe, it. I've been in a lot of like high school press boxes and college press boxes. This thing has marble tables with, you know, like you said, the internet connections, you have USB ports and ethernet, cables and you know somebody asking if you need anything you know i was expecting to see like pencils and paper but no everybody had a, a laptop computer and there's a, a little buffet set up and you know that at least the nfl takes good care of you at the hall of fame weekend anyway but yeah, uh, yeah. it was very impressive how the press box was i i wanted to live there you know it was, it was nice
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean it yeah it just everything's changed
0: <laughs> yeah most <laughs> definitely
1: know. and it's you know, it's funny too, even, um, you know, like the difference between say D three level amenities and D one or the NFL just, it's, it's night and day. I mean, the D three people are going to do their best and they're going to, you know, with the limited money that they, that they have to spend, they're going to do some nice things and, you know, just 10 times better than what we had, you know, back, back in the day. But, um, it's crazy. there's,
0: there's still out there some of the, less fortunate high schools. Uh, I know I went to one, I had to do evaluation of some officials that were doing it. So I sat up in the press box and it was one of those ones made out of plywood and you had to open up the plywood door and the guy set down a can of, uh, of wasp spray next to me he goes every once in a while you may have to hit this uh to get thing. I'm, like, I'm looking there's like wasp nests up in the corner i'm like oh boy this is gonna be fun and there was a hot box of course too so it was you know, good times but the, between that and tom benson stadium there's a little bit difference there
1: yeah yeah well that's okay that's yeah
0: okay. Right? <laughs> But Tim, that is another beauty that you came up with. It's a very interesting go back in the 1890s, you know, thinking about them using, uh, you know, telephone communication at a football game at Penn, yeah. you know, that's. That's that blows my mind. And uh, you know, most people never saw them in their houses at that point in time. I don't think in 1890s, right around the turn of the century when they got to became more popular. But uh, you have interesting things like this every day in your tidbits and uh, you know football related. And it's just great to do it. And a lot of it ties into history like today's did a little bit with the telecommunications. And uh, you know people love to hear that stuff and read that stuff. Why don't you share with them where they too can uh, enjoy this?
1: Yeah so you know easiest thing is just subscribe to my uh subscribe on you know footballarchaeology.com it's free to subscribe you'll get an email every day with whatever that day's story is and uh, you know kind of read them at your leisure or read them the moment they come out and then uh, or don't read them um, whatever is your preference uh, you can also you know follow me on 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 Twitter on Threads and on uh the the Substack app So uh, any of those will work. So whatever suits your fancy.
0: All right. Well, Tim, excellent job once again. Uh, footballarchaeology.com is the website. Timothy Brown is his name. And we will talk to you again next week on Tuesday. Hey, thank you. We'll see you soon, Darren. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here. But we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines. So be sure to tune in. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of sports yesteryear.